welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting on episode 32 of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. If you'd like to watch along, then start watching now. So the Elric brothers continue their search for Mei Chang by way of her panda. I mean, on the one hand, they found a similar looking creature, but it's clearly not Ed. You know, it's probably uh, Ed's poor drawing that's leading to all this confusion. I do find it interesting that Mei Chang is effectively hiding right under their noses as she's sort of gathering food and supplies for that little convoy of Scar, Yoki, Dr. Marco, and herself. I mean, at the same time, she is more or less kind of wanted if only because of her interaction with Father and the other homunculi. Alright, so something about this interaction is not above board here. Seems like uh, the voice actor is not a woman. I, I don't know, for a supposed old lady, the character does not sound especially much like an old lady. So the plot's thickening up rather nicely. You know, Scar and Associates are just sort of wandering through the sewers, attempting to evade Amestrian forces, and 
by all accounts, they're doing reasonably well. I mean, Scar is fortunately in a position where if they do catch up, he's able to fight back effectively. I mean, like, for him to just be able to collapse a tunnel with his alchemy like that is a pretty potent way to uh, get the security forces off his back. Unfortunately, the fact that they sighted him and survived seems to be enough to give uh, Kimbley a data point in determining where they are going. You know, according to the map, they're heading to West City. Knowing Kimbley, I feel like he's going to want to first toy with them and two, sort of like prepared to head them off at the pass such that, you know, he'll be waiting and prepared to apprehend them and kill them and do whatever other horrible things he so desires. You know, I'd imagine that given how many people know Kimbley, his uh, release is going to cause quite a bit of a stir considering he was presumably arrested for just killing a bunch of people. Granted, if they had known why he'd kill him, they'd probably execute him. Alright, so you know, my suspicions were not unfounded. Kimberly realizes there's something up with that old woman too, but... You know, it's not his job as he says, so what does he care? He's not gonna say anything. I guess, in a sense, his laxity is a credit to the heroes. Here we go. The old woman is in fact General Grumman, and Mustang realized a bit too late to save his dignity. So, you know, for a wily old guy like General Grumman, you know, he is apparently a master of disguise in addition to his other many uh, skills and talents. You know, he's got a sense of humor to sort of laugh off this whole business, but if he's willing to go through something like this, you know, this matter of disguising himself just to talk to Mustang, then, you know, he's obviously taking things pretty darn seriously. So Grumman is making a bit of an astute observation here. You know, Mustang has learned a lot, but everyone he can trust is now no longer able to help him. And even worse than that, Grumman was approached by that general Mustang had mistakenly trusted. Alright, so that's 
Very interesting. You know, Grummond, for refusing the offer of immortality, was transferred and then demoted. That's very interesting. So, obviously, Grumman is trustworthy. And, you know, maybe he's not petty, but I'm sure he has a bone to pick over being demoted for simply something, you know, re refusing an offer like that. You know, something that could reasonably be viewed as abomination. You know, I can relate to Grumman a little bit. You know, he's almost lamenting about how all this is starting to hit the fan before his retirement. You know, if they just waited a little bit longer, he could retire and this whole thing wouldn't be his problem anymore. But Mustang seems to have an accurate picture of him in that even if that were the case, you know, he couldn't sit by and do nothing. So this is a nice turn of events. Grummond, who had sort of resolved himself to his position, you know, he's now fired up by all of the events going on, you know. There's the opportunity for advancement here if they succeed, and, you know, if he nabs a little promotion along the way, all the better as far as he's concerned. So, despite receiving a promising lead, unfortunately, the Elric brothers are not finding any new information about Alkahestry. One would think, perhaps, uh, Dr. Marco might be a good resource, but I do believe, as far as they know, he is, uh, dead. You know, we know that's not the case, but... Alright, so this is interesting here. I seem to recall that... The Major's loyalties aren't exactly clear yet. You know, it seemed like he might have been siding with the wrong side, as it were. But, given that he's sort of running messages for Colonel Mustang, I think it's safe to say... The Major is holding true to his morals, and even if it lands him in hot water, he's willing to resist the powers that be when the time comes. Alright. So now the plot is getting, uh very, very thick. 
So here we go. We get introduced to uh, the Major's sister, the Major General, up north in Briggs. Now, she is a hard woman. I, I guess as is befitting, given that she garrisons the northernmost part of Amestris. I have to say, uh, the whole deal at Briggs is one of my favorite... I guess you'd call it story arcs in Full Metal Alchemist. I'm looking forward to it immensely. But I do find it interesting that given how dire everything is that Armstrong, who had never really spoken of his sister, and if I recall correctly, is kind of afraid of his sister, would sort of direct the Elric brothers to go get help from her or otherwise rope her into things. You know, I almost have to wonder if she's sort of been stationed in Briggs to keep her out of the way because she's... Well, I don't know. She's just, um... I can't even think of a good term for it. She is just so incredibly stern and cutthroat. Like, she's a, an authority unto herself, really, you know? So I feel like things are um, getting a little bit tense. Selene Bradley has seen fit to start talking to Alphonse about what he's researching. And given that Selene is taking notice, this will likely attract the attention of Wrath. And I'd imagine Wrath will uh, take unwarranted interest in this, and probably not for the best. You know, Selim is asking some astute questions here, and they are questions with no good answers. You know, I feel like Alphonse could probably lie and say, like, it's just, you know, academic interest. And, you know, that might be well and true enough, but it's not the real answer. You know, it's probably for the best that Alphonse is um, not really prying for too much information. Edward is being kind of guarded about where they're going to be going. You know, whether he's spying for his father or not, I feel like Selim would pass on any information he hears, and that would work to the detriment of the Alric brothers. I feel like he's uh, pushing buttons deliberately. Of course, this is probably the natural response. Oh, they didn't even realize. They didn't realize the kid they were talking to was Selene Bradley until the Secret Service pulled out their guns. Man, I'd imagine they would have been a lot more guarded had they realized. So I guess whether they want to or not, they are now house guests. 
Oh, dear. I mean, surely neither Salim nor Rath's wife are really involved in any of this stuff. But at the same time, you know, the threat of Wrath dropping by for a quick visit is ever-present and unwanted, if I'm being honest, you know? I'd imagine Ed and Al would be rather tense. You know, it strikes me as a bit uncouth of Ed to sort of start asking prying questions like this. You know, Selim might not think anything of it, but his mother certainly would, I feel. And, you know, even if neither of them really think about it too much, if they were to bring it up to Bradley, you know, he would surely understand that the Elric brothers are treading on some interesting ground and... You know, they might need a little reminder to stay in their place. So I find it interesting, that little story about their first date and all that, and how she slapped him. You know, he was presumably already wrath at this point, so maybe he was like, ooh, a woman who is willing to slap me is good enough, I guess, or maybe he was just doing it under orders. Hard to tell. But given how we know what Wrath is really like, the way he's putting up this false front is rather disconcerting. Man, it's just the casual way he refutes what they're saying, you know. Oh, I just saw you at Central Command. Oh, ho, ho. As if to remind them that, you know, hey, I've got you under my thumb. You better watch it. Alright, so Wrath is dropping a little hint of truth here. You know... Salim is adopted. He's not our biological child. And the hidden implication there, from Wrath at least, is that, you know, he's not my son. You have no leverage over me. And, man, that's just a wicked thing to say. Man, the Elric brothers, I, I can't help but sympathize with them for having to stutter and make a bunch of answers up. Man, everything Reth says, although it's, you know, reasonable on the surface, they're all just veiled threats, saying, you know, even a person like me has a family, you know, you guys have family too, don't forget that. And I don't care if you kill mine. You care if I kill yours, so watch it. Man, that is a really tense situation. And I guess if that were tense for the Elric brothers, I'd imagine Hawkeye's in a pretty tense situation too. 
You know, she has to tend to this guy basically during all business hours and probably a fair bit beyond that. You know, whether or not she knows he's a homunculus, she certainly knows that he is up to no good. I do find it telling that Alphonse's sort of first reaction after all this is one of pity. You know, he pities Mrs. Bradley and Salim because they don't know everything that's going on. And I think that that is his first response is something that speaks to his good nature. So once again, it seems like Scar and company have given Kimberly's men the slip. So, even if they are progressing inexorably towards West City, they're much more cunning than Kimberly gave them credit for. But of course, it would seem as though maybe they're not actually headed towards West City and they were just sort of hoping to find a convenient place to change course and cover their tracks. It seems like at this point, Kimberly's really running off basically a coin flip here. Would they have gone north or south? And I think it's reasonable to assume, just for convenient plot purposes, that everybody's sort of converging together. In this case, to the north. Now, I'd imagine, given that the Elric brothers are heading north, 
they're going to be met by a new set of problems. You know, given that they're from central and kind of like southeast, they're not going to be used to the horrible climate and the cold weather and all that. Alright, well that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy.